You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today, we are talking about a very close looking on the scoreboard, yet not that close in actuality Pacers loss to the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. Weird game where the score doesn't tell the story at all for different reasons, whatever. Pacers lose by eight. Lost a breakdown from that game. We got a new guy in the rotation. We got a different guy getting benched. We got a more terrible backup point guard play. We got terrible shooting. The works for the Pacers, basically. Some new stuff. Some old. Sabonis was kind of buns in this game. He really struggled coming back from injury. Levert was great. Just a lot to talk about. Let's just hop right in to the game and why the score does and doesn't tell the story at the same time. Bulls beat the Pacers 103-1, excuse me, 113-105, an eight-point win for Chicago. Seems kind of close. And the second half, the Pacers looked pretty dang good, right? They outscored the Bulls by seven in the third quarter and played them dead even in the fourth. So losing by eight seems kind of like it was in tune with the game. Bulls smoked them in the first half, and the Pacers just chipped at it. But it never really felt close, even though it got to eight a few times. If you look at the game chart, you'll see that it got to eight uh, with about three minutes to go, and it felt like the Pacers had a shot. But the Bulls never were in any danger. You know, this game was really like a 15-point loss that, that ended strong. For the Pacers, they got some good second-half play and changed rotation and had some good stuff. But... The Bulls held them at arm's length, no problem all night. It was an impressive win for them. And Jason Pat, one of my uh, colleague at Forbes, really summed this game up really well. It was fascinating to see how the Bulls won this game because the Pacers dominated the possession battle, which is not something they typically dominate, right? They had 14 offensive rebounds. Bulls only had two. They had nine turnovers. The Bulls had 15. They had fewer fouls, right? So in general, the Pacers had the ball way more and had way more shot attempts. That seems good. So they shot the ball 18 more times than the Bulls. And they also did well on the assist game. They were moving the ball out. 23 assists for the Pacers, only 17 for the Bulls. That's kind of just a recipe of having more shots. But still, they shot you know more threes than the Bulls did. They shot just as many free throws. Like In general, it looks statistically great. But the Bulls made more shots despite all that because they had ridiculous one-on-one no-assist shot making. I think that describes this game very well. Levine, his first game back from COVID protocols, 12 for 18 for 32 points. Several of those unassisted, just yanking pull-ups from wherever and drilling them. Same with DeMar DeRozan, who's been doing this all season. He had 24 on 20 shots, which doesn't sound very good, but a lot of his buckets were huge fourth-quarter buckets that kind of swung the tide of this game. They got a few unassisted, or they got an unassisted bucket from like Matt Thomas. Troy Brown gave him one. Dasumu gave him a couple. Kobe White gave him a couple. They were just playing very good individual basketball in this game, which is the hardest thing to defend, especially when they have guys like Levine and DeRozan who are so good at creating their own shot that even when you do very well statistically in a lot of team key areas, sometimes you just lose because the other team's got these guys that can make big shots. And credit to them, they made the big shots. And the Pacers definitely ramped up the defense in the second half of this game to a a winnable point. Like this game was pretty winnable in general. They held the Bulls to 50 in the second half, but... It wasn't enough after the first half, and the Bulls started off hot enough to get it done. And for individually on the Pacers' side, there's a lot of stuff you could look at in the box score, even individually, and think they win the game. 
right? Something I've talked about a lot is this team usually doesn't get it from one or two role players, and that caused them to lose. Justin Holiday shot above 50% and had 10 points. Miles Turner had 19 on 50% shooting. Lavert played amazing. Sabonis was the problem in this one, right? They got the role player stuff. They got decent play from Lavert, 27 on 22 shots, nine assists. He continues to do well in a point guard role. We'll get to that as well. There's a lot of point guard stuff from this game. Sabonis first came back from a calf injury, so he has a little bit of grace period for me on this. But in general, oof, I mean, five for 17 from the field. 16 rebounds was great, eight offensive. That kind of inflated his shot attempt number, right? And a lot of his misses, he grabbed himself. So his shooting percentage doesn't say alone he played bad, right? He played better. Then his shooting percentage, he played worse than a guy who had 14, 16, and 5 and was minus 4, right? He had definitely struggled in this game a little bit with movement, a little bit with finishing around the basket through contact. He struggled mightily, actually, finishing when he had a defender around him. If he just had a little bit better game, that would have been huge for the Pacers because every other starter did pretty well. Duarte had 16 and shot 50%. This was another new group in the starting five uh, as they continue to figure out what to do without Malcolm Brogdon, who's still fighting that sore Achilles, so... Sabonis didn't play bad, but I definitely think he had the worst game compared to expectations of any Pacers starter. And they needed him to be a little bit better finishing plays around the rim uh, to keep this team, you know, keep the Bulls uh, out of transition and to just give the Pacers points, obviously. And that didn't happen. And then the bench wasn't just wasn't quite enough for the Pacers in this one. Brissett, uh, six points, minus 10. He only had four boards. Torrey Craig had seven points and five rebounds, but shot under 50%. Keelan Martin has struggled to the point this so much recently that. He gets benched in the second half. He plays seven minutes in the first half, only two points. They were minus nine. They go to Dwayne Washington in the third and fourth quarter. Dwayne, actually, pretty nice stretch. Scored on his first touch of the game. Played over 10 minutes, two points, two rebounds, two assists. We'll talk much more about the rotation and how it's kind of emblematic of what's going wrong with the Pacers recently. And then Wanamaker, I'm just out of stuff to say. Like, if you've been watching the Pacers recently, you know exactly what the deal is. He just is not... He's not been playing. He had a brief moment, a brief two-week stretch where he looked like an NBA caliber replacement level backup point guard. That is now gone again. Minus 14, no points, no assists, two turnovers for Brad Wanamaker tonight. He had two free throws, and he had a rebound. That was his extent of his eight minutes and 43 seconds at point guard. They again turned away from minutes with him at point guard to replace Karis Levert. They had a few moments in this game where they didn't have Karis playing point guard and they didn't have Duarte playing point, or excuse me, they didn't have um, Wanamaker playing point guard. Like without having uh, Brogdon or McConnell available, that is just stunning to me that they can turn to those lineups and say, "This is how we feel like we have the best shot to win." But that's just what they're what they're dealing with, right? It's pretty it's pretty wild that that that's the hand they've been dealt, but they're figuring it out as they go. So, what are the Pacers gonna? What, what can the Pacers do better going forward? Well, if they just had a better Sabonis game or Brogdon, they probably win this game, right? They got enough from Levert playing the point guard. They got, I guess, okay defensive minutes from their bench. Dwayne Washington gave him an offensive spark or like a general spark, like they won his 10 minutes. You know, if they just got a better game from Sabonis or just had Brogdon, they probably beat this Bulls team. They were a little vulnerable as guys were coming out of COVID protocols. They shot pretty like they didn't shoot a lot of threes. They don't shot. They didn't take a lot of free throws, a lot of turnovers. They didn't play typically good bull stuff. So this is a winnable game for the Pacers. But if they just got a little bit better play from Domas Sabonis or had Brogdon, I think they win this game because they ramped up the defense in the second half. But they just they didn't have enough. They didn't just quite didn't have enough warm bodies that were talented enough to get this win. You know, also they could have played a little better defense at the start of this game. You know, the Bulls had 63 points at halftime and were shooting extremely well. 
in the first half. But again, I think that you know that, that's more them just hitting some tough shots. Like the stats do a pretty good job of telling the story again. Of Levine was awesome at getting to his spots and hitting those tough shots. Get he comes so known for and same with the Rosen. So you know Brogdon too. If he's playing, his defense would have been helpful in this game. And th- this is part of having him on your team. He he does tend to miss some games with injuries, but they would have really liked to have him, especially without McConnell. Then the backup point guard minutes. That's another what can they do better going forward? They've got to find a better solution. Like they, the fact that they're playing Dwayne Washington. I'm going to talk about this next segment. Means they're kind of experimenting, but. Brad Wanamaker, you can't play Karis LeVert the whole game. He played 39 minutes. Wanamaker played 8.43, right? And he was minus 14 in 8 minutes and 43 seconds. Like, he, he's just providing them basically nothing in these minutes. If they had gone with, you know, something they did a couple games ago where they ran Duarte at point for three minutes uh, against who did they, the Rockets, right? If they tried that and, and Duarte got hurt at a point in this game, he's fine now. He did post-game media. But if he could have done that for a little bit of this game, and those minutes go from minus 14 to minus 8, They if they go from minus 14 to minus 6, if they lose an 8-minute stretch by 6 points instead of 14, they're tied. They go to overtime, right? Like that, that's the difference. If they go from an awful point guard to a replacement level point guard in those minutes, they win as well. So just there are a lot of ways that this game could have gone differently, but even with the resources they had, just changing one guy who played 8 minutes would have won this game for the Pacers. It, it's it's I've talked about it ad nauseum. I don't want to go into the point guard stuff too much. Go back to any number of shows. And tomorrow, Mark Schindler is going to join us to talk about how much this team misses TJ McConnell. But it's just painful that in a game like this that was winnable against a team that is good, they got good performances. And really, even Sabonis, again, if you just look at shooting percentage, he definitely played better statistically than that. For a team that got it from their starting five to, to lose pretty handily to the Bulls, I mean, that kind of shows how much how little they've been getting from reserve ball handlers in general. Jeremy Lamb also not in this game. So a lot of ways the Pacers can get better and learn from this game. They didn't play awful by any means. Their second half was very encouraging, uh, but they didn't win, and that's what matters for a 14-20 and 20 team. They have to find solutions to not repeat this stuff, and this was a key stretch for them starting from the Miami game through about January 2nd, and so far they are 1-2 and two in that stretch. They've got to play better. They have got to play better through New Year's and a little after New Year's because they have a mid-January stretch. That is brutal, brutal, brutal. And they've been trying new things in preparations for potential changes. We've seen young guys in the rotation. We've seen Goga playing bigger minutes because he had to. Isaiah Jackson playing a full quarter. And in this game, Dwayne Washington, like I said, his first actual rotation burn of the season. Let's talk about him getting in there. But first, let's talk about the good folks over at Truebill because do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Do not let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app. That helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it super simple. Link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions. So you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for a subscription scam. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. Thank you for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today. Hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. If you didn't celebrate a holiday weekend, hope you had a great regular weekend. Why not check out Lockdown Bulls for their perspective on having their whole team back for the first time in a while? The Pacers changed up their rotation today, which is emblematic of a couple of things going on about this team to me. And there's a lot going on about this team. So I am probably overthinking some stuff here, but I want to talk about it. Dwayne Washington played, played over 10 minutes, by the way, 
and they were pretty good. He scored right away, had two nice dimes, tried to do a nice fancy wraparound pass to the corner. That's kind of a complicated read for a guy who's never played at an NBA point guard level. Defense was appropriate, right? He played almost 11 minutes against an Eastern Conference contending team and fit in just fine, right? Did not stand out as particularly bad, didn't stand out as particularly good, but was fine. And for a team that has been struggling to get bench players who are just fine, that was a welcome sight. And why is that a big deal? Well, I put in my notes right after it happened. Dwayne playing, is he in for Keelan or or Brad with two question marks? The answer ended up being Keelan Martin. Keelan Martin played in the first half. Like I said, one for two, didn't do a whole lot. Those minutes went poorly. So in the second half, they turned to Dwayne Washington in those wing guard hybrid minutes with the second unit. And another reason Dwayne played is not having to do with the play of anybody else or the level of play from anybody else. It's that Jeremy Lamb was out with a wrist injury in this game and they needed him just in case, but they decided let's try him instead of Keelan. They could have gone with Keelan again. Their bench in the first half was that Keelan Martin, Torrey Craig, O'Shea Brissett, Brad Wanamaker, right? Those were their four guys. They could have done that again. No problem. Rick Carlisle decided to change it up. And the reason that's important, beyond any fans calling to see Dwayne Washington over Brad Wanamaker, or in this specific instance, Dwayne Washington over Keelan Martin, the Pacers tried it. And he was better than both of those guys, really. And this is just for a team that is 14 and 21, trying something new with the young guy, a rookie in particular, is kind of emblematic of where they may be headed, of trying to get these young guys' minutes and experimenting with lineups. Every single game. They got Isaiah Jackson, and when the game was not over, meaningful minutes still, he got two minutes at the end when they needed some defensive stops. They were fine. It didn't really matter. The Bulls kind of coasted at that point. Pacers win those minutes by four. They try to sneak Dwayne in this game because, you know, maybe he can fit in as another wing in the future, like with Lamb out. Maybe we do this again. And, you know, maybe we can try him at point guard for a little bit. And I think all of his minutes, I'm going to double check this, but I think all of his minutes were actually with Wanamaker, or most of them weren't. That's not 100% true. So he had some minutes uh, with Karras, plus eight in those minutes. But I think every other lineup he was in, oh, wow, plus 12 in those minutes, excuse me. But every other lineup he was in uh, featured uh, Brad Wanamaker, a point guard. But I would like to see, you know, maybe this is them saying, hey, we can try this guy. Let's see how he does. And if he does pretty well, maybe we can sneak him in as our backup point guard if, if, if Brogdon can't go in the next couple of games because they need to try something. And this is with want to make a struggling like this. This is kind of emblematic where this team is. They need to try the young guys instead of playing 27 year old Keelan Martin, 30, whatever year old Brad Wanamaker. That's not a good use of your minutes. You need to be playing young guys more. And if you have a rookie who you think maybe he can do it, especially because, by the way, the G League season just shut down for about 10 days. They just finished the G League showcase. They have a new regular season start date that is now January 7th ish, 5th ish. I should have the documentation pulled up. That means. Dwayne Washington can play no problem until the G League starts. He can be with the team every day. He flew in late to join the Pacers today because they just got back from the showcase, but you know they needed him today, and he provided them good minutes, and he can be with them going forward. So if Lamb misses more time, if Brogdon misses more time, perhaps they can continue to find young guy minutes by playing Dwayne Washington. Now, this is a lot of hoopla about Dwayne Washington, so I'm going to move off from that, but still talk about how this is emblematic of one of the Pacers' problems, and that is that they cannot get quality play from their bench at all. And I know they have some injuries, but Keelan Martin, Brad Wanamaker, Torrey Craig, Jeremy Lamb, whoever it is, they have determined they'd rather try a two-way guard than those guys. And Jeremy Lamb's had some nice games this year. And Keelan Martin had a stretch where he looked like a can't-replace-in-the-rotation kind of guy. And Brad Wanamaker had that two-week stretch where he was okay. And, you know, 
sure, like these guys have given you some okay stuff. They're vets, whatever, but they're so rocky and so poor at times. And with all these injuries, they're kind of needed. Like it's so emblematic of the 14 and 20 Pacers season that they would rather rely on a two way guy than those guys because they have been unreliable. And the Pacers in the past, their bench has been good. In the era of Kevin Pritchard, the Pacers bench has always been pretty good. It's usually also featured McConnell and McDermott and Holiday or you know some combination of those guys or Lance Stevenson or Corey Joseph or even Tyreek Evans was better than a lot of the names I just said. You know Those kind of guys gave them a quality Trevor Booker, a quality defensive or offensive, whatever, one end or the other at least, unit that was good off the bench. They don't have that now. They, you know, Keelan not making shots anymore and Wanamaker's too short to be an effective defender with his speed and Jeremy Lamb has been a bad defender for two seasons now since his injury. You know, he sometimes makes up for it with his offense, but they just they don't have a bench unit that can be really good on one end or the other, even when they stick one of the really good centers with them. That's kind of what's made them awesome in the past is Sabonis made the McDermott, McDermott units gel. And then last year, you know, Turner with Holiday and some of those other defensive guys turned out to be a pretty good unit. They don't have that this year. And Dwayne Washington you know, it's 10 minutes. I'm totally overhyping 10 minutes. I know that. I put it in my notes. Why did I type this twice? It literally says, why did I type this twice? If I could show you, I would. Why did I type Dwayne Washington's name twice? Because they he, they get nothing from these guys. They It made all the sense in the world to say why, you know, we should put Dwayne Washington in over Keelan Martin. And that says, that that's just from an impact perspective. It made all the sense in the world. That kind of sums up the Pacers season to me to a T, is that, in a big game against an Eastern Conference contender that they were within striking distance of them at the point that this guy's in, they said, our bench guys aren't good enough. Let's play this two-way guard. And it was absolutely the right choice for them to do. So the Pacers have to find a way to get some useful depth on their bench because what they have now is not working. And and like I've said on other shows, I think they should be playing their youth every game, trying to find a way to get Isaiah some minutes or sneak more minutes for Chris in with the second unit or go-go, whoever. Even Dwayne, I didn't expect it to be Dwayne, nor do I think he's some bright future NBA kid, but it makes more sense to play him than those guys right now. And it's just, it sums up the Pacers' problems extremely well that he played a lot of minutes in a big game that wasn't a blowout against one of the top teams in the East. And the Pacers, their second half was much better than their first. So maybe that rotation change was something smart for this team, something that Rick Carlisle could go back to. It was just very surprising when it happened in the moment, but every time I would type a note about it, you know, Oh, this makes sense. He was better than Keelan. Oh, this makes sense. They don't. They need to play young guys. Oh, this makes sense. He's actually playing well. It just kept adding up to this is the right choice for the Pacers. And that's stunning to see. That's stunning to see given what they wanted to be before the season. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. That doesn't mean they need to keep leaning on it. But it's just it's very emblematic of where they are as a team that they went to a two-way guy and it worked better than what they had been doing with their bench for previous games. And injuries have shoehorned them into it, but... They've got to figure something out with reserve ball handlers and wings. And this maybe was a first step, but at least they found some youth that they can plug in and play. That was a very long-winded, rambly segment about the Pacers' second unit and Dwayne Washington playing, but I think it says a lot about this team. This is 14-20 and 20 team. You know what else says a lot about this 14-20 and 20 team? They can't shoot the three at all. I've done a lot of segments on this. I'm going to do another one about it, but I'm going to put a rebuilding twist on it because... That's what this Pacers team might be headed towards. They're 14 and 20. They're still 13th in the East. So let's talk about the Pacers and their poor three-point shooting, which manifested itself in the Chicago game on an 8-for-30 night in an 8-point loss. Let's do that. But first, 
let's talk about the good folks over at Built Bar because they are making the best tasting protein bars ever. 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew protein bars that come in so many delicious flavors that are all super healthy. You can try the double chocolate, the peanut butter brownie, the cookies and cream, the mint brownie, whatever you want. They've got it. All chocolate, all delicious. And again, super healthy, low in calories, low in sugar, low in net carbs, low in fat, but high in protein. Best of both worlds. You can use it as a meal substitute. I've done that at work before. You can use it as a snack. I did that right before this podcast. Whatever you want to do, Built Bar's got you covered. Again, healthy and delicious. Great for the health conscious guy. Great way after the holidays, during the holidays, whatever, to enjoy a delicious treat. You've got to try them. Go to Built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order and join a ton of Lockdown Patriots listeners who have tweeted at me and told me they were satisfied with them. Again, that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. The Indiana Pacers still stink at shooting threes. This is not news. I think I've done two segments on this in the team's first 34 games prior to today. Don't want to beat a dead horse too much, but we're going to change this guys a little bit. They were 8 of 30. I should have that right up in front of me. 8 of 30, correct, in tonight's game against the Bulls shooting from 3. Almost half their makes came from Karras, who hit 3 himself. 7 of the 8 came from their starters. Torrey Craig hit 1. They do, they missed Doug McDermott a ton. I talked about in the offseason, everybody was saying McConnell was more important. I thought McDermott was the more important free agent, but McConnell was more likely to stay for their needs. And important for their needs. That's not to belittle either player. But McDermott's value to an NBA team is higher than McConnell's. So he got more money. And, you know, he got he left, but they still had Miles. And Miles has actually shot okay for three this year, though not in this game. And Justin Holiday can kind of shoot a little bit. Duarte, it turns out, is a little bit of a shooter. Brissett shot well last year. Like, if you squint, you can kind of say, yeah, they've got some shooters. But those guys are not names for shooters. They're just guys who have made threes in the past, and that has completely gone away this year. Pacers now 27th in the league in three-point percentage entering the Chicago game. Shooting 26.7% is not going to up that number. Let's give a stat here to talk about the importance of shooting. So, I am Captain Obvious, but making shots will help you win, and missing shots will not. When the Pacers hit above 36% from deep this season, that's not even a high bar. That this is a lower shooting three-point percentage season in general, but that used to be a bound league average. When the Pacers shoot better than 36% this season, eight and three. Eight and three. They lost to Chicago in that drunk overtime game to start the season. They lost to Washington in the drunk overtime game in the second game of the season. And they lost to the Bucs, who are the defending champs, right? Two points separate them from being 10 and one. When they shoot 36% or better, that's not even that high of a bar to clear, right? Their defense is okay. They run enough good stuff to be in every game. They have a positive point differential for a reason. They just, if they had better shooting and they could more consistently reach this bar, they'd be a much better team. They can't do it. They don't have good movement shooters. They have not had accurate spot-up shooters even this year, thanks to the struggles of those guys that were supposed to be the good shooters this year. And look, Miles started really well from deep. He's now down below. I don't, you know, Miles is still having a wonderful shooting season, but he's now down below 40%, closer to about that 36% mark. O'Shea Brissett is their best three point percentage guy this year. That says everything about this team. Duarte's at 34.5% before this game. Lambs d- trickled down to the 34s. Justin Holiday's at 34, and his all come in, you know, two games. He'll go five for seven from deep and then a bunch of one for sevens. Right. Levert's down at 31. Brogdon's at 31. Their high volume guys are at low percentages, right? They don't have shooters at all. And it's been killing them all season. They play extremely well when they hit their threes. Duh. Every team plays better when they make shots. But it's just it's painful for a team that 
that relied on shooting so much and lost a key shooter in the offseason. On the flip side, when they're below 26% from deep, they have won exactly twice. They beat Miami in that overtime game early in the season. They beat Sacramento in that ugly game, and they beat Detroit, right? When they shoot poorly from th- – when they shoot under, they have three wins, four wins, excuse me, shooting under 34% from deep, right? That's not even a high bar to clear, but that's four wins in several games. So they have to shoot better. And – Yes, the, they have a roster of guys who can shoot better. I just ran through their percentages, right? It doesn't take brain science or rocket science or whatever type of science you find complicated to know that Brogdon is better than a 31% three-point shooter. We know that, right? And Duarte, we know he can he can shoot a little better. And Justin Holiday can be a little bit more consistent. And Keelan Martin, his three-point percentage nose-dived, as did Torrey Craig's, as did Jeremy Lambs. They have guys who can shoot better from deep, but they're not. And that is where this pivots to the Pacers where they are now. They are at this point where they're going to make a decision about their direction, and they kind of have to do it now, right? They only have about a month and 20 days till the trade deadline. They're 14 and 20. They're still 13th in the East. They they, they basically have like a five-game stretch to really figure things out before it gets crazy. Their schedule gets crazy, that is. I think that given the way Carlisle plays, they generate good threes. They have to work pretty hard to do it sometimes, but they generate good threes pretty often and he's let he's confident in letting whoever's on the court take it if they can make it and most of the even if they can't make it sometimes he trusts guys to take it if they're open right i think a very strong emphasis in the pacers rebuild process or their retool process whatever they do whatever pieces they swap out moving Levert for stuff moving lamb and goga for stuff moving one of the bigs for stuff moving other vets for stuff justin holly Tori craig you can go on and on. Basically, everybody but Brogdon and Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. You could squint and say, yeah, that guy could be traded. You have to look for shooters. All right? Carlisle's teams in the past haven't been awesome shooting teams, but they've had some shooters that made it possible for them to play. The, and they, they had a guy like Luca to, to, to draw on gravity. Sure, I am, I'm receptive to that. The Mavs last year finished 18th in three-point percentage, despite not having great shooters. They got great shooting from Maxi Kleba, who's a good shooter, and Jalen Brunson. They had J.J. Redick. They traded for J.J. Redick, despite J.J. Redick very much not wanting to go to Dallas. Right, Dorian Finney-Smith's a good shooter. Tim Hardaway ended up being a good shooter for them. They like, and Carlisle's teams have liked to get those shooters who provide that utility. They were 10th in three-point percentage the year before that. They had Seth Curry on that team. Courtney Lee was a good shooter back then. Tim Hardaway Jr., they signed guys like Ryan Brokroff in free agency who isn't in the league anymore but is one of those fringe players who can really shoot it, right? This is the M.O. over at Carlisle teams, or one of them. He likes to snag these shooters. And they were really bad at shooting threes before they snagged those guys. Tie that to the Pacers of now who stink at shooting. I think it's going to be an emphasis of theirs and going to be something Rick Carlisle requests of the front office to say, I need shooters on my team to make the stuff I do more effective. We know Sabonis can have awesome two-man repertoire with shooters. We know how shooting can open up the floor if they have the gravity to pull out defenders, right? We know that from years and years and years. This Pacers team has none. They have some okay spot-up shooters. They have some okay off-the-dribble shooters that can be a threat, and that's great, but they have no good movement shooters. They don't have anyone that the defense is panicking about them getting open. They don't have anything like that. They need one at least guy like that. It's the NBA of 2021-22. It's 2022 in four days. And they don't have any really threatening shooters. They have guys that go through stretches of being really threatening shooters. Justin Holiday has done that in the past. Miles Turner did that earlier this season. Brogdon was that with the Bucs. But none of them are that right now in the role they're in. And so when the Pacers do whatever they're going to do, swapping out players, dealing for talents that fit their system or whatever they do, I have no idea. 
I have some ideas, but I don't. I have no clear idea. They have to emphasize shooting. It's something that this team needs so desperately to be better. Even if they're going to retool, that makes so much sense. So we'll see what they end up doing, what they end up prioritizing, what direction they go. But I think shooting needs to be a big, big emphasis of this Pacers team and of Kevin Pritchard's strategy as they try to retool, rebuild, whatever word you want to use around the trade deadline. I think this game summed that up perfectly where if they go 10 for 30, which is still below league average, this is a two-point game right at the end. They're right in it. If they go 11 for 30, which is basically league average, they win. They beat the Bulls in Chicago, a healthy Bulls team without one of their best players. So some low-hanging fruit for improvement, and I definitely rambled in the second segment, but I think this one, I drove home the point of shooting is going to be something they go for and something they need to go for if they want to be better because teams that don't make threes, it's going to be hard to be pretty good. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope again you had an awesome holiday weekend or if you're still having time off, that you're enjoying some time with your family. But thank you for making some time for me today. Tomorrow, Mark Schindler, like I said, from Indy Cornrows and several other places all over the internet is going to join us to talk about how much the Pacers miss TJ McConnell and a boost that O'Shea Brissett has been giving them. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoy that tomorrow, and we will see you then.